Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. All right, well, how's everyone doing this morning? Did you enjoy that worship? Amen. God is good. Holly, can you pass me that sign there for a second? Oh, is it taped on there? We got it. There we go. So it's good to have everyone. If you're watching online, um, we're glad that you're with us as well. And um, on this sign here, I don't know if you guys can read that. So there's a, there's a number. Our text number is 343-307-7259. So we're going to take a few minutes if you want to get out your phone. Uh, if, if this is your first time visiting with us, you can, you can go to this number, type it into your text line, and then put in the word welcome, and that will get us your contact information so we can keep in touch with you. And uh, if you're part of the church and you just want to be in the loop, uh, you can you can text the word L O O P, and that will put us uh, you in our contact information, so we can keep you guys updated with what's going on. So I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, we find that text is a better way to keep in touch with everyone. So let's open in prayer as we dig into the word. Father, we thank you for our time together. Father, we thank you for this uh, wonderful day. And we, Father, we thank you that you're going to speak to us by your word. We want to welcome those who are online. We want to welcome you who are here in your car. Father, come and touch us and speak to us with your word in Jesus' name. All right, if you uh, haven't heard, if you came late, you can go to 89. What's that? What's the radio station? 87.9. So you can listen to the service uh, on your radio and you can shut your windows. 87.9. So this morning I want to talk about adjusting your lenses, adjusting your lenses. And um, the last few weeks I've been talking about how Lucifer was the worship leader in heaven and how he wanted to be a worship leader. And there was a little bit of a transition, a little bit of a change in his attitude. And he became the god of this world because he fell from heaven. And as you know the story, Adam and Eve sinned giving Satan authority in their life. They handed over their authority to Lucifer, and he became the God of this world. Now, Jesus is our Lord. If Jesus is our Lord, hit your horn. Let's see here. So Jesus is our Lord, but how many know he's not the God of this world yet? Satan is still the God of this world, but when Jesus comes back to set up his kingdom, the earth will become his and he'll rebuild this earth. How many know that scripture says that? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 to 5 says here, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. And so we understand here from the scripture that the God of this world, the power of the air, has control over the minds of mankind. But verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, say rich in mercy, because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. 
by grace you've been saved. Amen? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25 and 26. And you guys, we don't have the PowerPoints up, so you can bring it up on your phone or in your Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25 and 26. It says, In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive to him by him to do his will. How many know that the enemy can take people's minds captive? Even believers' minds can be taken captive by the God of this world. As we begin, if we will give in to the culture of this world, enemy has power over us. Satan uses the culture of this world to move people away from God towards false truth. Amen? And as the weeks have gone by, we talked about Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego and how they were living in Babylon. And Babylon was living ungodly, but they had to stand up for truth in the midst of Babylon. And there was pressure to give in to the culture, but they didn't give in. But they also didn't fight. Do you know what they did? They looked up to God. They stood up for what they believed in. And they spoke out the truth. And God wants us today to look up to heaven, to stand up for what you believe in, and to speak out the truth that you know. It's the same today as it was then. We're not out to fight, because we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we're here to look up to heaven, we're here to stand up, and we're here to speak out. Can I hear amen? So John, James chapter 3, verse 6 to 10, says this. We need to realize something, that hell is at work. Okay? Hell is at work in the earth, because Satan is the god of this world. And it says in James chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, or it is set on fire by hell itself. See, hell has been unleashed in the earth. When Adam and Eve sinned, the influence of hell came into the earth. How many know there's an actual place called hell? There's heaven and there's hell. But you know that heaven can influence people today on the earth, but so can hell. So when there's fear and shame and guilt and sickness and disease and natural disasters, things that happen in the earth because the earth is a fallen world, how many know that that is hell being unleashed on earth? Hell is the separation of God. Hell is fear. Hell is all the things evil we see in the world today. That's hell being unleashed. But I want to tell you the good news is that God wants you to unleash heaven on earth. Amen? God wants you to influence the world with your, with His kingdom, with the love and power of the gospel. Amen? How is this going to happen? Well, you know, I was doing a bit of research. How many heard of the Hubble Telescope? Anybody heard of the Hubble Telescope? Well, in 1946, Lyman Spitzer, a professor and researcher at Yale University, argued that the space telescope would offer great advantages, advantages over ground-based telescopes. He explained that the Earth's atmosphere blurs and distorts light coming from the stars. Even the most precious and advanced telescopes on the ground cannot escape this phenomenon. 
but the telescope in orbit can escape the phenomenon. And so here's the thing, for the next 10 years, NASA worked to develop a satellite, a, a, a telescope that would satellite and orbit the Earth. It's called the Hubble Telescope. All right? And it was going to cost 400 to $500 million back in 1971, which was a lot of money. And so they didn't know what to do. They said, we don't want to spend that kind of money. We'll only spend $200 million. And so they made the... the uh, the lens on the camera a little bit smaller, and they tried to cheap out on the lens of the camera. Okay? And how many know that on January 28, 1986, the Space Shuttle Challenger lifted off into the Florida sky, and how many remember that? It exploded, right? And it, and it was a great disaster. The, the, the telescope didn't get up there. But another 10 years later, on uh, in uh, 1990, the Hubble was finally launched aboard the Discovery in, in April 24th. So now they have the satellite flying around up there. But they realized that they, they had cheaped out on the lens. So they were getting blurry images when the images were coming back and they were really upset. And they said, we have to do something about this thing because we're getting blurry images. So then they ended up spending a ton of money Right? $629 million to do a repair job and put a pair of glasses on the whole Hubble. So they sent out and they put a pair of glasses, they changed the way that the, uh, they put spectacles on the Hubble so that the Hubble could see clearly into space, okay? So the, the Hubble got glasses and corrective eye lenses. You know, I think it's very important that we realize that God wants to give us clear vision. There's no cheap way to get clear vision. You have to go up to the heavenlies. You have to get close to God. You have to have a devotion life, right? God wants you to have clear spectacles and clear vision. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, Paul says, Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with great clarity. All that I know is now impartial and incomplete. But when I will know everything completely, just as God has known me completely. And there's going to be a come a time that we're going to be able to know God completely. Right? And right now it's like we're looking through a, 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 a lens that's not super clear. But God wants us to see Him more clearly. Can I hear an amen? Alright? Now, we need to understand this. Okay. That um, I believe that everything we do as a believer and our growth as a believer is is to learn to see God more clearly. And Jesus said to people that all through the Gospels, He said, "You know, I pray that you have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying." It's not. It's not about. Uh, it's not about climbing a ladder. It's not about trying to obtain something with God. God has already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness by the Holy Spirit. What we need is we need eyes to see more clearly. We say, God, we need to be able to see you more clearly than we've ever seen you before. And God wants us to understand His ways much better. 
So when Paul talks about being able to see, like in a, in, in, in a mirror, and how one day we'll see him clearly, you've got to realize something that this is following, verse 12 is following, this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is talking about the greatest gift. What is the greatest gift? The greatest gift is love. And I'm learning that the journey of faith is all about having clear vision and clear hearing. Right? And here's my first point. Sometimes we need to adjust our lenses. Sometimes we need God to help us adjust our lenses. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 to 6, it says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. And then we see in James chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, it says, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. And so we recognize that hell is at work in the earth, right? When people are selfish and think about their own ways, it's just I need I need to have my own needs met, and 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 and, and people that think evilly all the time, right? Um, in James chapter three verse sixteen, it says, "For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there." Verse seventeen, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. Okay. Gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And so God wants us to release heaven. He wants to get hell out of your life. Okay, it sounds like I'm swearing, but I'm not. He wants to get hell out of your life and he wants to put heaven in. And then he wants you to influence the world with heaven. Alright? And our job as believers is to release heaven over our co-workers, workers, to release heaven on our family members, to release heaven wherever we go. This is what it looks like. This is what love looks like. It's patient. It's kind. It's long-suffering. Love is the purest doctrine. And I think we're living in an age, we're living in a time, where we have to really look at the Scripture for ourselves. How many know that's important? Okay? Don't just follow others who came before us. Measure for yourself. You know, I just bought I bought a, a boat, a fixer-upper boat, and this week I was working on the boat, and I said, I'm going to replace all the plywood. You know, the plywood was all rotten out, and I have to put new plywood on the boat, and I have to re-carpet it, put on new, uh, uh, you know, vinyl, and try to clean up the boat. And so instead of measuring the plywood, instead of measuring the carpet, I just ripped out all the old stuff, and then I, I, I traced it all out and I cut it out because I assumed that the person who did it before did it correctly. And then when I put the boat back together, it looked okay, but I realized, you know what, I could have been a half an inch more this way and the carpet could have been cut a little wider. And I realized that I was following an example from the past and I could have actually took the time to measure. This is a time and a season, guys, where you have to take the Word of God and measure it for yourself. 
I don't care if your grandfather had a great doctrine. I don't care if, you know, you went to church your whole life. It's time to open the Bible and read it for yourself and to measure for yourself because just maybe, maybe you can have better measurements. Can I hear amen? Right? You know, a few days ago as well, here's another one of my projects. I was putting a shower together. And it was a nice glass shower, had an enclosure. And my father came because there's big, heavy, heavy glass. He was going to help me. So we, we took the uh, instructions and we read the instructions uh, fairly quickly. How many know us men? We don't read it thoroughly. We just kind of skim over it. And then we started putting this, this shower together and, and uh, we were sliding the glass in. And it was the hardest thing ever. We thought, we're going to break this thing. We spent two hours trying to get this uh, piece of glass in there and there was these big rubbers that were hanging out of the track. We're trying, you know, we're, we're greasing the glass, we're, we've got credit cards, we're trying to slide it between these two rubber seals and we're thinking, those seals look really big and we don't understand what's going on, but we, we got outside and after two and a half hours we finally got it together, amen, it was awesome! We bring the shower in, we install it, and then we realized the Leaking tracks are missing on the side. The water's coming in. We're like, where, where are those rubber seals? I, I don't see them. But I see these two little seals over here. What are these for? And we realized we came to a revelation. How many of you ever came to a revelation? We had wasted two hours putting the shower together. And inside the long track was all the rubber seals. And we were like, oh. So we had to take the whole thing apart to get the rubber seals out, and then we had to install it with the correct seals. And when we used the correct seals, it just snapped together, and we said, we could have did this in 30 minutes, but we spent three hours on the shower. Isn't that crazy? Because what we did was we didn't take inventory. We didn't look at the picture and say, okay, I need two strips here and a strip here, and these are the bolts, and we're supposed to take inventory of all the parts then we can put it together according to the directions. Any of you guys can uh, relate, you can honk your horn, I know, you understand. So, so, so it's the same way with the Bible. You know what, you, you, there's, there's scriptures and truths and promises that might be missing in your theology. You say, I hear people say, I grew up learning from my pastor and from my grandfather and from my leaders that the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't relevant today. Well, listen, you can spend hours working hard trying to get your shower together, but how many know if you have all the parts and you do the inventory of the Scripture, what God's made available for you, how many know it goes together a lot easier? Amen? And, and so it's time to do inventory and say, here's the promises of God. We see in, in the book of Acts, we see this clarity of they were saved, then they were water baptized and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and then they went around doing good and healing people right and so we, we have to look and say does my life look like this does my doctrine look like this or do you want to spend your whole three hours trying to put your life together all you have to do is get the pieces in the right order can I hear amen so we need clear vision, guys. We have to be willing to look at the scripture for ourselves. 
And we thank God for our forefathers. We thank God for the pastors. Listen, I went to Bible school and I learned amazing things in Bible school. But now as I've grown in the Lord, I look back and some of the things were out of context. And I was just like, that's out of context. This Why? Because my... My vision is becoming clear. God has given me clear eyes. God will give you clear eyes as you study yourself and show yourself approved. And so God is calling us to do that. We need to have clear vision to see that this Christian walk, it's not about me. It's not about us. We want to draw people to Christ, not to ourselves. We want to build God's kingdom, not our kingdom. We want to have the right motivation. We want to have grace for people. It's all about hope in Jesus. That's what it's about, guys. It's not about our our theology. It's not about everything we believe. It's about hope in Jesus. We need to see people clearly. We can't minister hope to people if we can't see them the right way. In Matthew 9, 36... It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and they were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. God wants to put his compassion in you and I so that we have a compassion for the world. When we see a culture that is pushing God out, we got to realize that culture is not our enemy. It's our harvest field. Amen? It's, it's the culture God's put us in so we can win people to heaven. We want to drive hell out. We want to bring heaven in. Amen? The other adjustment we need in our, connection, in our seeing is this. We need to make connection with people before correction. It's so important that we learn to... Um, connect with people in relationship. It's far easier to share your faith with someone who you know and knows you. And um, 80%, statistics say 80% of people who come to Christ, they come because of a friend or a family member. So when you know someone, sharing your faith becomes more meaningful. Why? Because there's a relationship and people trust your motives because you're in a relationship with them. You become more credible. Why? Because your relationship allows them to see that you're human as well. You become more visible. Why? Because relationships allow them to see your faith up close. You become more accessible. Why? Because relationship allows you to speak into deep places. And I love this because Jesus was called the friend of sinners. And he wore it like a badge of honor. You know... It does not say Jesus was a sinner. It does not say Jesus was a friend of sin. It does say that Jesus was a friend of sinners. And God wants us to love on our enemies, love on people who don't know Him, love on people that are around us that don't know God, that need hell driven out of their life. Amen? The third adjustment we need is we need to adjust our lens on God. And this one is really important because once you've established a relationship with people, you begin to realize that their way of seeing God is not always accurate. Okay? Most people fall into these four different perspectives about God. Number one, they uh, a locked gate. So they have a locked gate 
when looking at God. What does that mean? God cannot be reached or does not want to be reached. How many people have just, don't honk your horn, just lift your hands. You know someone's just, they don't want to be reached. There's a locked gate. They don't even want to pursue God. There's people like that in the earth. God is too far away. God does not want to be bothered. So I will not bother God. Many people feel that way. In Acts chapter 17, 27, it says, He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. Isn't it good that God is near? He's not far. The second perspective is a pile of luggage. You know, people think that God can't possibly want something or someone as messed up as me. How many of you ever felt that way? God can't want me. I'm messed up. Right? God doesn't want to waste his time with someone with this much baggage. So many of us have experienced that. The third one is an endless ladder. And this was the one I wanted to talk about. This thing that God requires too much from those who seek Him. God will require endless hoops to jump through to satisfy Him. People believe they have to work for God's acceptance by proving themselves. And then there's all this frustration because you can never amount to anything. Well, i got news for you. We must realize that God's grace is what changes and transforms us. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that He's planned for us long ago. And the fourth way and the last way we can see God is we can see Him as a free gift. And this is the only accurate view of God. This view sees Jesus as our Savior and Lord and His love for us is a free gift. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So God, God's, God's love is free. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so if you don't know the Lord, you can say a prayer today and call on the name of the Lord. And the work, finished work of the cross will take effect in your life. Your sins will be forgiven because he took your sins on the cross. But also for us believers, those of us who've been saved a while, it's so easy to fall back into this, i gotta, I got to earn something from God. No, grace is a free gift. It's not about what you can do. It's about how you see. God wants you to see him more clearly. And in Ephesians, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know the hope of your calling in Christ Jesus. And God, I pray, Father, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. God, I pray that every person listening, whether online or in their cars here, I pray that every single one of us, God, that you'd put on new spectacles so that we'll be able to see you more clearly. It's not that we've seen you, we haven't seen you, it's just that we want to see you more clearly, God. We want to see the love that you have so that we can let heaven transform us so we can drive the hell out of our world around us. In Jesus' name. Amen.
of you are excited. Amen. Amen. Well, God is good. And this week as you go, I want you guys to uh, spend some time in prayer with the Lord. And ask God to give you clearer eyes. To see Him more clearly. And, and that is the journey of faith. We get to see God more clearly. We get to understand Him uh, in, in a deeper way. And as I was reading through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that's another thing you should do. Read through that and say, God, I, I want to be that kind of person. I want to be patient. I want to be kind. I want to I be able to uh, have patience with people. And let God do it in you. Amen. If you're watching by live stream and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you're here with us, the Bible says, just call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Confess your sins, and He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all evil. So I want you to pray with me. If you've never prayed that prayer before, say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I ask you to cleanse me from my sin. I want hell out and I want heaven in. I want you, Holy Spirit, to live in me and change me from the inside out. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Good. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.